The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. It is really good to be here today. I'm not going to give any pretense that I'm going to stand up there behind the pulpit because I'm a walker. I'm not going to be up there. So I'm, is that right if I just stay right here? And I'm going to use this pew right here as my podium. So I, I have a privilege um, with me today. I have my wife with me, Beth. Stand, wave. So uh, we will be like... Colton said we'll be leaving next Sunday to go to Jamaica um, for uh, a short stint there. And so we're excited to be with you here uh, today, December 31st, 2017. Our last day of reflection before the new year starts in 2018. So if you've not made your new year's resolutions, today is the day that you're going to be doing that. A lot of people do that. Mine always has to do with weight. Um, I, I, I need to lose 25, 30 pounds. Uh, I always have that on there. Never do it, but I always have it on there because it, it makes me feel better. But today I want to challenge you, not necessarily for new year's resolutions, but I want to challenge you. I'm going to give you a three word path to God guide your 2018 as far as your intimacy with Christ goes and your walk with Christ goes. And so if you don't remember anything um, this that I said today, I want you to remember these three words. All right. First thing I want to ask is, um, is, is there any game wardens in the house? Okay, this is going to depend on whether I tell this story or not. Okay. All right. Um, last year, uh, me and my son, we started deer hunting. And, and so we, we started deer hunting last year and I got a, a doe the first two weeks of the season. And, and so he was in college. He came back. He was here for Thanksgiving. And so, um, we we're going out and, um, I told him, Bryce, here in Lamar County, you can only kill a doe during the first two or during two weeks of the season. And so we went out the day before to, um, kind of scout around and, uh, he's never been before. And the landowners that we were on, his son went with us and was walking around. Now, he's about a 45-year-old man, and he didn't live in Lamar County, and he told Bryce, he said, Bryce, you can kill a doe anytime you want to in Lamar County, all right, during the deer season. And Bryce heard that, and his dad kept saying, no, you cannot kill a doe. You can only kill a buck. So we get up uh, the day after Thanksgiving. We go get in our ground blind, and we're sitting there, and we don't see anything for like two, three hours. And we're getting ready to leave, and I just happen to look over to my left, and um, I see some doe over in the woods. They're about 150 yards away, running away from us. And I start to say, Bryce, there's some doe over there. He sees the doe. He gets the gun up. I said, no, we're not after doe. We're after a buck. And they start running through the woods. And I'm saying, and I started to say, let's see if there is a buck there. And just as that came out of my mouth, they're running through the woods, 200 yards away, never been deer hunting before in his life. And I hear the gun go off. Drops the doe dead like, like that. And I'm going up there and I'm thinking, I don't think this is a legal care. Kill. I told him, he heard me, but he also heard the guy that yesterday say, you know what, you can kill all the way through the season. He saw that doe. And so I go up there, obviously, uh, it is an illegal kill. I did the right thing. I turned, I turned us in. I paid the fine and everything. I didn't have to pay restitution because we were rookies, um, but I did pay the fine. But Bryce heard me. But he didn't necessarily trust what I had to say, and he didn't necessarily obey me. 
Now, there's three words that I want to encourage you this year to guide your life by. Those three words um, can really affect 2018. Are you ready for those three words? But before I do that, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to turn to 1 Kings 17. Now, first King, we're going to handle, handle First Kings 17 and 18 today. So we're going to handle a lot of scripture today. Some of it will be um, paraphrased by the Feller's translation uh, so that we can get through those two chapters. But it's really important because these two chapters really uh, embody the three words that I'm going to give you for the path that you should take in 2018. Okay, are you ready for those three words? Those three words are, well, I want to go back and I want to tell you this, the story on this, on this is about Elijah. Okay? And it's about Elijah hearing. It's about Elijah trusting and about Elijah obeying. And those are our three words that we're really going to, I want to challenge you to live your life by in 2018. If those three words, and we're going to really, uh, four, uh, narratives today that really embody those three, those, those uh, three words right there. Hearing trusting and obeying. But before I do that, I want to ask you a question. What comes first? Obviously, hearing comes first, but what comes first between trusting and obeying? And that's all right. We're we're going to talk this morning, so you can say that. So how many of you think that trusting comes before obeying? Okay, how many of you think obeying comes before trusting? I don't think there's a wrong answer there. I think there's sometimes in my life that I trust because I obey. I think there's sometimes in my life that I trust and then I obey. But it makes a whole lot of difference. Now, Bryce, he didn't trust what I had to say and he didn't obey um, what, I, what I had told him. And he killed that deer. Um, great shot. Great shot. But my question is to you is, if you do those three things, hear, trust, and obey, your 2018 is going to be a, a year full of impact, a year full of influence. And that's what we need in the world that we live in. Would you agree with me that? I, w- I would say that we as Christians as a whole, that the church as a whole have lost a lot of our impact and influence in the world that we live in. And I think I, I talked about that last time I was here, but I pretty much talk about that every time I preach. Okay? Because I think it's so important because that's why we're here. We're salt. We're light. We're supposed to be impacting and influencing and not just keeping our mouths shut. So I stopped, got way off my scripture. So I want you to uh, look at 1 Kings 17, and we're going to deal with the first six verses right um, beginning right, right now. <clears throat> now Elijah the Tishbite, I love that name, of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, which was the king of Israel, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I will command the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because 
there was no rain in the land. Now, there's a lot of background context right here that you need to know about this. Okay, here we have Israel. Israel has turned their back on God. Ahab um, had been their king for about 14 years, was a wicked king. The Bible tells us that he did more wickedness in those 14 years than all the other kings put together. He had a real evil wife uh, named Jezebel, and she had just brought all kinds of um, calamity upon Israel and turned their hearts away from God, and they were worshiping Baal and Asherah. There were 850 of those idols right there. And so why Baal and Asherah? Baal and Asherah are fertility gods, okay? So if you worship Baal and Asherah, then the premise was, then I'm going to be successful. My stock is going to increase. My wealth is going to increase. My family is going to increase. And so with this fertility gods, if I do that, then I'm going to be successful in life. They had turned their back on God and placed it on an idol in their life. It's real easy for us to think right here, how could they do that? But I want to ask you a question. Are there idols in your life that turn your heart away from God? It's real easy for us to say, oh, I would never do that. But I think that when we stop to look at who we are, we got to look at those things. we got to look at what is it that's turning our heart away from God? What is it that, what is it that's keeping me from hearing? What is it that's keeping me from obeying? What is it that's keeping me from trusting? And if you can identify those things in your life and get rid of them, then it makes a whole, di- a whole lot of difference. And Elijah, this is the first time Elijah shows up in the Bible. Uh, Elijah the Tishbite. That is a cool name. I just love that name. All right. And so Elijah shows up and the very first thing he does, he goes up to the king of Israel and says, the Lord God says this, it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain. And if it doesn't rain, your crops are not going to grow. If it doesn't rain, your livestock's not going to live. If it doesn't rain, you're not going to be able to feed your family. The economy is fixing to have a downturn right there. Okay? So let me ask you this question. Do you think Elijah was very popular? No, he wasn't. Okay? And then it says, and then in the midst of all of this, after he delivered the truth of God, it says the word of the Lord came to him and says, Elijah... Uh, you can go, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to go east. I want you to go east to the brook of Cherith. If you go east to the brook of Cherith, I'm going to take care of you. So Elijah had a choice. He could stay there in the land that he was comfortable with, in the land that he grew up in, where, there was, where he was going to be in trouble because everybody was going to be after him, or he could obey the Lord, and the Lord said, I'm going to take care of you. And he goes to the brook. I love that. And by the name Elijah, his name means Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is my God. No doubt who he is. No doubt who he follows. Yahweh is the God. So Elijah makes the trek. He goes over to the brook of Cherith. All right. He's there. And I love this. God takes care of him naturally and supernaturally. He plants him right by the brook where there's water. Okay. Everybody else in Israel, it stopped raining. They don't have water. There's a drought. Nothing's going on. But Elijah's by this brook. That water's flowing and he's getting all the water he wants. But supernaturally, God does this. How does he feed Elijah? Remember what it says? How does he feed him? With ravens, that's right, with ravens. Do you know ravens are an unclean bird that the, Israel, the Israelis don't, don't use? God can use whatever form he wants to meet our needs. 
And I'm not going to go into that, but there's, there's, a, there's a lot there. But God basically, he says he brings him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. Now, I, I call that a sandwich, okay? He's getting, he's getting Subway in the morning and Chick-fil-A at night, okay? He's sitting there with his toes in the water, sitting there on the land, getting fed. Everything's good for him. He, he is, everything's going just right for Elijah, Because he heard the word of the Lord, because he obeyed the word of the Lord, and because he trusted him. And God took care of him. And then it said, and then it last verses, and then the brook dried up. No more water. No more ravens. All of a sudden, God's saying, okay, Elijah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build your faith. So this is what I want you to do. So look with me in verse 7 of 1 Kings. The brook dried up, and then verse 8 says this. Then the word of the Lord came to him. It says, Go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Hey, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go away, do as you have said, but first, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be uh, empty until the day of the Lord sends upon us, sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did, as Elijah said, and she and, and, she and he and her house hold ate for many days. The jar of oil was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. If you hear, if you obey, if you trust in him, then God is going to provide for you. And I love what he does right here with Elijah. He's teaching Elijah a lesson here. Now, Israel's economy has turned south. Elijah was still eating high on the hog, getting Subway and Chick-fil-A and, and all the water he wanted. And then the brook dried up and his economy turned south. And then it says, and then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In the midst of his difficult circumstances, the word of the Lord came to him. And Elisha heard what he said. And this is what God told him. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Zarephath. Okay? Zarephath is like 80 miles from where Elijah was at the brook. Okay? That's direct. And so I don't imagine that Elijah took the direct route because he was wanted in the, in Israel. So I think he had to kind of make a, um, make a kind of a way, his way around, uh, secretly in order to get to Zarephath. And I think it was about a hundred miles. Okay. So it was no small trip on foot. All right. But he says, and the Lord says, I have commanded a widow in Zarephath. Now, <clears throat> what's significant about that is the fact that Zarephath's not even in Israel. It's just south of Sidon, just a little bit. 
Zarephath is the capital of all Baal and Asherah worshipers. Why didn't God choose? Why didn't God choose a widow in Israel? God often asks us to do things that don't make sense in order to get our attention, in order to show his power. And Elijah did that. He walked to Zarephath. He got there. You can imagine that. He hasn't had much to eat. He hasn't had much to drink. And God said this widow is going to take care of him. He walks into the gate and immediately he sees this widow. And I think his thought is, oh, is she the one? So he says, I'm going to test that out. Uh, can I have a drink? And she goes to get him a drink. He says, well, I'm going to test this out again. When you bring me a drink, bring me something to eat. And the widow says she's collecting sticks. And this, she's living in extreme poverty. She's, she has nothing to her name. Matter of fact, she just has a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. She's collecting sticks, going bake, break some, bake some bread for her and her son, and then they're going to die because they have nothing less. And God's asking her to feed Elijah. That's all she has. God's asking her to give everything that she has to feed Elijah. And what does she say? And she says to him, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I love what Elijah says to her. He encourages her in her faith. She's a, she's a pagan. She, doesn't, she hasn't no experience with God up until this point. And yet she heard the word of the Lord. She knew that God had commanded her to feed Elijah. And she was kind of uh, doubting that. And she was kind of backing up right here. She wasn't willing to sacrifice the little bit that she had. And so that God could bless her a lot. And Elijah said, if you go and you feed me first, then that oil, that flour will never, will never end as long as this drought is. He encouraged her in her faith. He encouraged her to have faith in God. That's something that we don't see a whole lot today in the world that we live in. Is Christians encouraging other people to place their faith in God. All right, look at the widow's need. The widow had need for bread. Elijah had need for bread. In order for Elijah to get what he needed, he needed to encourage this widow to sacrifice what she had in order to meet his need. And so Elijah encouraged her to place her faith in God. And after that encouragement, she goes, okay, I'll go do it. She went, she did it, she baked it, she gave it to Elijah first, and it says that her flour and her oil did not run out. You know what the secret to God's provision is? The secret to God's provision is to be the blessing that you want to receive. To be the blessing that you want to receive. And look, see how they fed each other? See how it depended upon their, their hearing the word of God, acting upon the word of God, trusting and obeying? And when we do that, God's going to bless us. And so 2018, I want you to remember this widow, that she was willing to sacrifice everything that she had and place it in God's hand and let God multiply it. Great example for us today. But the story doesn't end there. Pick up your Bible again and, and read with me the next narrative. So Elijah's staying with this woman. She's taking care of him. Verse 17. After the son of the woman, um, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, 
What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him and, and he took her from and he took him from her arms and carried him up with the upper chambers where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Here's the woman's conversion right here. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that my Redeemer lives. That's not what she says, but now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. You see, she had been introduced to God, but she hadn't placed her total faith and trust in God and and said that I know that that is truth right there. And I love what Elijah does right here. God has built Elijah's faith by feeding him at the brook. God has built Elijah's faith by having a widow take care of him. And now he gets up a, a few mornings later and the widow's son is dead. And the widow is grieving. And when a lot of times when you're grieving, what you want to do is you want to blame God. And that's exactly what she's doing. Her doubt in God is causing her uh, not to be able to hear what God is saying right here. And I love what Elijah does. He goes up to her and he says, give me your son. And he takes her son. You know what he was doing? He said, let me carry your burden for a while. Let me carry your burden. Let me take that away from you. And let me carry that for a little bit. You see, we need more people like Elijah. That are willing to walk alongside people. And say, hey, let me walk alongside of you. While you're going through these cancer treatments. Let me walk alongside you as you're going through financial difficulties. Let me walk alongside you through the loss of a loved one. Let me carry that for a while. And then he takes him upstairs. And I love what he says to God. Even even Elijah, Elijah says to God, God, you've you've taught me all these things. You've brought me here to uh, provoke faith in this woman, and I'm here. And then you bring calamity on here. That's a pretty good. You have to have a pretty good relationship with God to talk to Him like that. And then I love. Well, I can't say that I love this. It kind of freaks me out a little bit sometimes. Every time I've read this scripture until I started studying it for for the, the message. And it says, he laid the boy on the bed, and then he laid on top of him three times. And I'm thinking, what's that all about? What's he doing right there? But you know what he was doing? 
He's identifying with the problem right here. God, this boy right here has no breath. And this is what he's saying. God, he has no breath. I have breath in me. Take some of my breath right here and give it to this boy so that this boy might live. This boy right here needs some breath. Take some of my breath. He was willing to go to heaven. But he was willing to stretch himself out on earth and sacrifice himself so that someone else, to meet someone else's need. We're really good. Now, don't misunderstand me when I say this. I'm not downplaying prayer. We're really good at telling people, we'll pray for you. We're really good at telling people, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to put you on our church's prayer list. I'm going to put you on the prayer list in my Bible, and I'm going to pray for you. And that's where it stops. But how many of us are willing, really, to sacrifice something of our own in order to help meet a need? You see what he was doing? He was going to God in heaven, but he was willing to stretch himself out on earth in order to help meet this boy's need. And God blessed him. God blessed him in the midst of that and gave the boy life. First time in scripture that someone's been raised from the dead. Right here. Because Elijah was willing to go to God and seek his power. But he was willing to sacrifice something of himself. He was willing to stretch himself out on earth in order to help somebody's need. You want to make a difference in somebody's life? In 2018, then you be willing to go to the Lord, but be willing to sacrifice something, stretch yourself out on earth to help them. I'm going to paraphrase the last narrative because it's like a whole chapter. Okay? So um, Elijah, Elijah was in Zarephath, and then the Lord told him go to the king and tell the king that it's it's going to rain. But before we do that, we've got to have a showdown to see who the, who, who, who the real God is. And so he goes to the king and he tells the king, King, I want you to gather all of Israel at the base of Mount Carmel. And at the base of Mount Carmel, Elijah says to the people of Israel, he says, Who are you going to worship? If Baal is king, then worship him. If the Lord is king, then worship him. And I, I love the description that they said. And the people did not answer him. The people were silent. Does that sound familiar to you today? If we were to have to put a phrase upon the church, not just talking about this church, I think that we've bought into that. That my faith is a private faith. That it's not my responsibility. Can I tell you something? I think an inward faith with no outward expression is no faith at all. And so this is what Elijah does. He says, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to have a contest. We're going to have um, all of, I want you to gather all of Baal. 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, and I want you to build an altar. And I'm going to build the altar. And the God that answers by fire is going to be the one true God. 
And so I, I can imagine Israel gets really excited right there because they're getting ready to see a contest. This is, this is like the, the, the national championship of who God is, all right? And so they've gathered there at the mount. And so Elijah tells the Baal and Asherah, you guys go first. So they build their altar and everything, and they start dancing around. They start doing all of their rituals, and I won't go into. They are God of fertility. All right. So you can imagine what all of the rituals were. They start doing all of that and nothing's happening. It's about noontime. And Elijah, Elijah hollers at them and, and he starts to provoke them. Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God's relieving himself. All right. Maybe, maybe your God is not paying any because he has that kind of faith that he knows the power of the one true God and nothing happens. And then it becomes time for Elijah. I love what he it says he does. He goes and he gets 12 rocks. Okay? Can anybody tell me, is there a significant number within, is the number 12 significant? Why? All right, thank you. Thank you. Twelve tribes right there. So I think this was, I think the people of Israel had forgotten who they were. And I think he gathers those 12 rocks and I think he, he picks up one rock and puts it over his head and he starts calling out the different tribes of Israel. And I think he starts talking about how God has blessed that tribe and the people in the audience are starting to relate and, and remember who their God is and all of the things that, that God had done for them and all the way that God had blessed them and all the way that God had loved them. And he built the altar around with those 12 rocks and he laid it there and he, he killed the bull and he put the bull on there. Then he dug a trench around it and he had him dur- um, dump water in the trench all over all over the altar and it was water was everywhere and wh- why did he do that so that there would be no doubt and then he prays so that the nation of Israel might know who the one true God is consume this altar with fire Whoa! fire comes down I love I love what the people of Israel say. They stand up. You know, this is the same people that were at the bottom of the mountain before when they wouldn't say a word. Now all of a sudden they've seen the power of God and they've remembered who they are and they start shouting, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That's what we need, people. That's how we need to live our life in 2018. Everywhere we go, we need to be the ones that saying, the Lord, he is God. We do that by hearing Trusting and obeying. And when we do that and when we speak that, people can't help but see the glory of God in our lives. It's not something that we hide under a bushel. It's not something that we stay inside our church. It's something that has to go out into the world that we live in. And if we want to make impact and influence, I'm sorry, I'm really preaching now. If we really want to make impact and influence in the world, then that's what we will do. The Lord, he is God. I'm almost done. I had the opportunity to, to sp- preach in a crusade in Santiago, Chile. And when I was asked to go to Santiago, Chile, um, I thought this was really cool. So the day before I left, I downloaded all my sermons that I had uh, onto, uh, from my computer uh, and printed them out, and I took them with me. I had one fear about going to Santiago. Um, I don't speak Spanish. And so I was afraid I wasn't going to have an interpreter. So uh, I get off the plane, and the director of the crusade comes up to me. 
interpreters for all of the other 11 pastors that are here, but we don't have one for you. So my worst fear came true. And so, and he said, so we're working on that, but you need to start praying about that. And believe me, I did. Uh, I started praying about it because I speak no Spanish whatsoever. And so we get to the hotel and he said, well, Brian, he said, you're speaking at the northern part of the city. And in order for us not to have to drive you to that, um, that area every day, we're going to let you stay with the family. So they took me up to the northern part of um, Santiago and I got to stay with an awesome family. And I'm laying there in bed at night. It's a Saturday night. I'm not supposed to preach until Sunday evening, okay? So I'm laying there in bed, and I hear the Lord speaking to me. And I hear him saying, now this isn't a visible, um, audible voice. It's that inner small voice that's saying, Brian, I want you to get up, and I want you to throw all your sermons away. And I began to argue with him. I was hearing him, but I said, God, those are good sermons, I wrote those sermons, they're awesome. And he said, Brian, get up, throw your sermons away. So I got up, I obeyed. I wasn't trusting too much, but I threw all my sermons away. I got up the next morning, I don't speak Spanish, I don't have my sermons. I walked, I go to the church that I'm preaching at um, to listen to the pastor speak, and he meets me at the door and he says, Brian, I have changed my mind. I want you to preach this morning. I said, okay. And I turn around and I step, and there's the door right there. Those doors open right there. And in walks a Brazilian. He comes up to me and he says to me in perfect English and says, My name's Pablo. I was just driving by the church and I saw that we had an American speaking at this church, and I was wondering if you needed somebody to interpret for you. Not 30 seconds. I kissed him. (laughs) Pablo was awesome. When I raised my voice, he raised his voice. When I made a hand gesture, he made his. He was an English teacher at a prep school for missionary kids in downtown Santiago. And I have to tell you something. I spoke with more power that week than I ever had in my life. You know why? I wasn't dependent upon Brian Fellers because Brian Fellers was nothing. The last night that we were there, um, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know this, but in Chile, sometimes they turn the power off to save electricity. They do that in in developing countries. And so I'm preaching and the church is full. I mean, the church, this church, they spent, um, they spent a bunch of money just to increase their seating capacity by like 50 people. It was full of people. The windows were open. People were standing outside with their head in because you know why? Because they wanted to see Brian Fellers. No, wasn't that. It was because they had experienced the Lord that week. And they wanted to see what God had to say to them. And so as I'm getting to the end of my sermon, I'm, I'm preaching on Elijah. I step, up to the, I step up to the edge of the stage, which is about five, five feet high, and the lights go out. And it's just like pitch black. And I'm determined that I'm not going to let Satan win, so I take one more step. I fall off the stage flat on my face. And, 
as I'm laying on the floor, it's like this God saying, Brian, I got this. Brian, it's not about you. And I crawled back up on the stage. By the time I got nobody ever knew it either because it was pitch black. By the time I got back up on the stage, they had candles that they had lit. They had lit. And when I got to that part of the story about the people of Israel saying, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God, here's the power of God. Here's the power of God. I didn't say anything. I didn't give an invitation. I was still there, and all of a sudden, each person in the congregation stood up and started saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. One by one, they popped up all over the congregation until they were all standing up, and the people outside, they were shouting, the Lord, he is God. God's power is miraculous. If you will hear him, if you will trust him, and you obey him, he will do mighty things in your life. And so my prayer for you, my prayer for you is this. In 2018, for you to hear him, trust him, and obey him, and you will see his power in your life. And you say, well, Brian, that's real easy for you to preach. i got to be honest with you. It's been real difficult for me um, <clears throat> to um, do that sometimes. I, I was a pastor. Um, I was a youth minister for 25 years. Senior pastor for seven years. Um, I had a stroke, lost the sight in my right eye. The doctors wanted me to um, resign from my church and heal. I had to go through eyeball injections for like eight months. And uh, they didn't think that my sight was going to come back. And, and so I took like two months off. And then I went to be a director of a homeless shelter in downtown Kansas City. And um, at the end of the eight months, God blessed me and gave me my eyesight back. And my heart was in the church, and I thought, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back in the church. So I started putting my name out there. I applied for this position. I applied for that position. I applied for this, for this pastor, for this. My phone didn't ring. And God was saying to me, long story short, Brian, I'm calling you and Beth to Jamaica. Didn't make sense for me to walk away from a full-time job. Didn't make sense for me not to earn a full-time salary. Didn't make sense for me to have to do something where I have to raise my own support and depend upon other people because I don't like doing that. I had two kids in college. And so in Brian Feller's um, controlling way, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move back to Paris, okay? going to work until we get both kids out of college and I'm going to go to Jamaica. So we basically have been apart half the year, uh, half the year for the last, I'm there about 30 weeks a year. So she doesn't get to go with me um, because she's been working. You see, what I was willing to do was I was willing to trust God halfway, but not fully. She just quit her job. So she's going with me and we have stepped out there on faith. And I have to tell you, um, that first step right there is kind of scary. It's kind of scary. But when you do that, I can tell you, God will meet your need. Let's go, Lord, in prayer.
Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for um, your presence here today. I pray, Lord, that as the new year begins tomorrow, that you will be ever present in our minds, in our hearts, that our ears would be open to hearing your word, that your love for us would be so evident in our life that we would be willing to trust your word. And that your strength would be so evident in us that we would be willing to obey and watch you work and give us impact and influence in the world that we live. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.